0: Hello and welcome to the Journalism.co.uk podcast, a show where we bring you experts from the media industry to help journalists do their jobs better. I'm your host, Jacob Granger. Social media is both a blessing and a curse for news publications. It's a must to be active on the main platforms in order to promote content and engage with audiences. It can be especially useful for news outlets which cater to underserved audiences to foster and build community. On the flip side, social media is a place where online abuse and trolling can thrive, and prejudice can fester, especially towards those from marginalised groups. Here with me to discuss this double edged sword is Holly Wong, the social media manager of Gay Times, a publication for LGBTQ audiences. Founded in 1975 originally as a magazine, The Gay Times has garnered a 4 million social following across all social media platforms. Let's not forget we're talking about audiences who have historically been misrepresented in and underserved by the mainstream press. Holly tells me more about how social media platforms can be a force for good, and has aided the recent growth and camaraderie of Gay Times. On the other hand, it can be a toxic place, so its reporters require resilience when the trolls start attacking. All of that's coming up. Don't go anywhere. Holly, welcome to the Journalism.co.uk podcast. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Holly, would you share a little known fact about yourself or our audience, please?
1: Um, I have a weird sort of fascination and... Um, you know, memory ability to, uh, when it comes to the Oscars. Um, I'm a big Oscars fan, which is really, really weird. Um, And yeah, I just, in my head somewhere, I've stored all this information um, about the Oscars and Best Picture winners and um, the year. And so I'm not really sure why.
0: (laughs) I I imagine that might come in useful for your job.
1: Sometimes, yeah, sometimes. Mostly for pub quizzes, um, (laughs) especially when uh, when the Oscars roll around. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So you'll know, I think I saw recently that the New York Times picked up uh, an Oscar win for short form documentaries along those lines. Did you see that?
1: No, I didn't see it that there were a bunch of um, films that I missed this year. That I was really um I was really sad about. But um I did get to see a couple and um I mean my personal favorite was Belfast, I think. So many people slept on that. It was so good. Um but yeah, I, I always try every year to to go see as many as I can.
0: It's nice to talk about the Oscars without talking about the obvious. Um <laughs>
1: The elephant in the room the slap in the room let's let's um, move
0: past it because there's a lot of other great stuff to talk about with the Oscars
1: let's
0: talk to me about you know the success that you're having at Gay Times uh, on social media what's kind of really working and what are the breakthroughs you're seeing
1: yeah so I've been at um, Gay Times for just over a year now a year and a few days actually and in that time we've kind of jumped from success to success um, across different social medias which has been really, really incredible to be a part of. And so, you know, social media is where the majority of our audience is. Uh, we have a passionate audience of, of over 4 million users, and that's, you know, the largest of any LGBTQ plus publisher in Europe. And, you know, thanks to much of our, of our social strategy um, of, of putting the community first and always asking ourselves, you know, is our work moving the conversation forward?
0: When it comes to Gay Times online engagement, the stats speak for themselves. Gay Times is the most followed LGBTQ publication on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok and Instagram with a combined following of 4 million. An impressive figure that represents a 10% growth from 2020 to 2021. While founded several decades ago, their growth on social media in recent years has been exponential. In 2021, on average, 34 million people viewed their social content every month, up 52% from the previous year. It also received 40 million social engagements in 2021, up 39% in the same period. On Instagram, one of its key platforms, it recently passed the 1 million follower milestone. It's found particular success in posting what Holly calls news headlines, an eye-catching image with an overlaying headline and a large caption underneath with a call to action to its link in bio. Twitter has become another big platform for gay times, particularly because of the Twitter moments feature. And they tell me more about this.
1: The other big one for me has definitely been on Twitter. Um, you know, we've used the platform to our strength by experimenting with you know, moments and spaces. Um, and, and basically, in the last kind of year, we've we've pulled our following back from declining numbers to, to healthy, very healthy month-on-month growth. And it's important that we haven't given up on those platforms, given up on those users um, who do want content from Gay Times. And I finally feel like we are delivering that in such a way that keeps people coming back, keeps people sharing and remembering where they read that news from. Mm
0: you kind of get a lot of features on social media that come and go a lot of shiny object that come in fads but what are, what are the ones that are really working for you when it comes to specific features on platforms?
1: Yeah, definitely. So a lot of our strategies are platform based. Um, that's because we know that one piece of content that works on Twitter might not necessarily work on Instagram in the same way. Um, so we adapt, we shift the design, the direction, the call to action, because we understand that sort of no platform is the same and neither is any user. So in terms of like using the platform to our advantage, um, I feel like we've definitely honed that the most on Twitter. Um, As I said, just touching on moments, they've been um, an incredible source of, of engagement and increased visibility for gay times. And also, you know, increased visibility of the stories that we're obviously covering. Um, so I'm not sure how, how familiar you are with them, but moments basically appear in the what's happening trending bar of Twitter or the what's happening um, tab on your Twitter app. And basically there we have featured uh, cover stories, news stories, um, any sort of um, investigative results that we've um you know, created, uh, in we recently did one on conversion therapy. um, And so that's kind of the feature that we've really honed in on in our recent strategy. And we've been able to sort of platform a lot of our work on that. Um, And then in terms of Instagram, our kind of other main platform, we've definitely been utilising the carousel structure to tell stories. I mean, one of the things I love most about social media is the ability to storytell. And I love Instagram for that feature um, and for that functionality and I think um, carousels is sort of just one way that we do that. We've also been doing it on IG Live. We recently had an IG Live with one of the members of Kiev Pride um, which took place while they were in Ukraine Um, and that was an incredibly powerful moment and so basically we use a lot of these platforms in very different ways um, but we try and speak to our audience across them on different subjects as well. So for example we had that live on Ukraine on Instagram because we know that our audience was commenting and calling for more coverage. And then on TikTok, we focused our lives and our coverage on LGBTQ History Month in February, for example, because we know TikTok were platforming a lot of that content. And we know that the creators who run our TikTok are very passionate about that area. And so we did a TikTok on non binary history. We did a TikTok on why LGBTQ plus History Month is important. And those lives were really, really incredible in sort of getting our community um, talking about probably some aspects that they don't know about simply and, and to educate them and to be able to do that um, with that feature on that platform, I think was really powerful.
0: Sorry to interrupt, just a quick one from me and we'll get back to the episode. We'd love for you to join us for a day of expert panels and workshops at our next digital journalism conference, News Rewired, taking place on the 24th of May at News UK's stunning 17th floor venue in the heart of London Bridge. Yes, you heard that right, it's a physical venue, and that means it's a chance to network with your peers as well as take some wisdom back to your newsroom. Head over to newsrewired.com to secure your seat now, and we'll see you there. Does Gay Times do anything particular in regards to just uh, upskilling journalists or getting them familiarised with new features, new platforms, this kind of thing?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I feel really, really empowered to consistently experiment. Um, That's what we always talk about as a team. We always say, how are we going to take advantage of the latest social media tool and how are we going to make it work for us? Um, And if it doesn't the first time, how are we going to next time? Let's rethink, let's remodel. Um, And and we do that consistently on basically every platform. Every few months, we sort of re-strategize, and we rethink. And we look and analyze at what has done well, and what has performed, and why that might have been, and maybe why there were some dips here and there. Um, And how do we go about creating content that avoids those dips, but also maybe repackages them in some form that engages our audience more. I definitely pride myself on on holding my myself to account in regards to data and what's working and what's not working. I want to try and I want to experiment with new things on social media because no day is the same in terms of what will work and what won't work. And so it really does keep you on your toes, but I think at GT, and I'm not going to lie at various other places that I've worked for at CNBC, at Wired, everyone's so open to using social media in kind of experimental way um, that I just think that's the way to move from strength to strength is to stay agile and to stay um, up to date with the latest features. And obviously there's a lot of strategy going into that behind closed doors, right? In that we know what we're writing about. We know what we're covering. um, We know who we're featuring. and We're making those decisions ourselves. But in terms of how we package that, deliver that for social, um, yeah, we, we have to think about the platform. We have to make it a success that way.
0: Is first movers advantage a thing or is there something to be said about lurking on a platform and maybe seeing what people do first and iterating from that position?
1: Um, I think that there are obviously benefits to both. Um, So say for our our TikTok strategy, for example, Times was the first to sort of lead the way in terms of um, using creators to be our voice um, Mm -hmm. on this platform. And so we've been able to see that you know these creators represent new and upcoming queer generation and it's been really really incredible to give them the microphone and allow them to talk about the things that they're passionate about and use the platform how they would natively it's of course great and ego wise to be the original and to be the first but also. In my experience, there have been many times where I haven't been the first to exercise some kind of strategy, but you know what? I've elevated it, and we have improved it, and we have spotlighted you know different conversations in different ways using that strategy, different to any other outlet. So I think that there's something to be said, not exactly for first movers' advantage, but for originality and for making a strategy truly work for you and your audience.
0: Another useful aspect of social media is that it can help to advance causes and online movements which news publications want to take a position on, particularly if they matter to their audience. A striking example comes from the Gay Times. Its philanthropic initiative Amplifund and Grey London co launched the LGBT Incomplete Without the T campaign a nationwide trans solidarity movement in response to increased transphobia around the world. This put up 700 billboards dotted all around the UK to promote the campaign's message, and social media was a huge driver of support, exposure and awareness.
1: You know, the LGBTQ generation of today, they grew up on social media, they're talking through social media, and they're organising through social media. It's where our audience is, and so it's the best place for us to reach them. And so when it comes to organizing through movements we really really have to think social media first and that's just something that's incredibly exciting to me one of my personal favorite things that i've said before about social media is the ability to tell a story uh, so for instance take lgbtq plus history month this february just gone you know lgbtq plus history has historically been erased and overlooked by school curriculums and established institutions but on social media, we can share the hidden history of non binary people, we can teach the LGBTQ generation of today what section 28 was, and we can have complex discussions around the mythologized story of the Stonewall riots, for example, we're using social media to tell a story that isn't being told elsewhere. As I said, it's not through the national curriculum It's not through established institutions, we're not learning these things. Um, elsewhere and so the young people of today who are on TikTok who are on Instagram it's offering them a new stream of education that I think is so so vital Um, yeah just to be able to do that across multiple platforms has been incredibly powerful and I mean you bring up our hashtag with the tea campaign um, in which we spread a message of solidarity to our trans plus siblings online and on over 700 billboards across the UK and That contributed to the vital truth that the LGB plus community stands with trans plus people in these hostile times. You know, we saw people, pride groups, businesses engage across social media with this campaign and spread the message that the LGBT community is incomplete without the T. And this was all done through social media where our audience shared tweets and Instagram stories, billboards, and that interactive process It wouldn't be there without social media and it wouldn't be there without the users who live their lives through these platforms and share news and life updates through these platforms as well. And so it's just so important for us to be there and to bring our campaigns to
0: that. You kind of talk about i mean blind spots doesn't seem like a strong enough word but you talk about kind of the absence of these kind of issues within um the curriculum and within institutions what about the absence of these issues within the mainstream press as well is there you know do you have a particular view on why this is important considering you know how the lgbtq plus community has been served or or represented uh, in the mainstream press
1: yeah definitely i think that um the LGBTQ plus community deserves to have a publication dedicated to our advancement and our preservation. Mm-hmm. And I think Gay Times encapsulates that. Our understanding of the community as members ourselves, our decades-long history of giving queer people a voice, and our passion for the furthering of queer people across society is completely unique to our brand and to us our, as our publishers. You know, at the moment, no other mainstream UK press outlet is covering LGBTQ plus issues the same way We can see this through our coverage of the current discussion around the conversion therapy ban that won't include trans people.
0: I I, I would just jump in at this stage and say that the BBC did hire an LGBTQ...
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I think that Gay Times is dedicated to the reporting of LGBTQ plus news outside of just the mainstream factor. So we aren't speaking to a mainstream audience, we're speaking to an audience of queer people who understand these issues, who are living through these issues, um, and they want someone to speak to them in a way that they feel understood. And I think we do that more than mainstream outlets. Of course, they have the numbers, of course, they have reputation but i think that gay time zones in on a community that needs voices and a community that has so many intersectionalities that one news reporter cannot possibly cover that
0: the, the, that that's a very good point and i'd like to just spend a moment exactly on the nuances of that lgbtq plus um community because as we know it's not one homogenous group no no group ever is so exactly you know how does gay times try to differentiate separate define um all the nuances within this community and, and you know why does that matter particularly on social media
1: yeah for sure um I think a GT is really, really important for us to speak to and represent, you know, all intersectional corners of the LGBTQ plus society um, and community. Um, whether that's through celebrating a sexual pride day, whether that's through spotlighting trans plus identities around the world, we're doing this in fun and informative and engaging ways across social media. And once again, bringing it back to the storytelling aspect, we want people to engage with our content, engage with our coverage, but also, you know, take something away and learn from it. Um, And I think that we are doing that better than any other publication, especially any mainstream outlet that simply isn't zoning in on these aspects because they don't have the view. They don't have the, it's maybe not their priority. And that's okay because we're here to fill that gap.
0: Right. I mean, it's the difference between lived experience and not, isn't it, at the the end of the day?
1: Completely. Completely, completely.
0: Now, unfortunately, for the ugly side of the internet, there's been much discussion lately around online abuse and trolling, as the online safety bill in the UK currently works its way through the House of Commons. This is a groundbreaking piece of legislation which aims to make the internet safer. It would see the media regulator Ofcom receive sweeping powers to tell social media giants what should and should not be on their platform, and in instances of non-compliance, fine them for safeguarding failures. Think racism, inappropriate content for children, myths and disinformation, all toxic and often illegal elements of society which, left unchecked, proliferate online and are harmful to many. However, Where the legislation will draw the line when it comes to online abuse is less clear. It states, quote, Adults will still be able to access and post legal content that some may find offensive or upsetting if companies allow that on their services, end quote. And this is before even opening the Pandora's box, that is the circular argument over freedom of speech versus rights for minority groups. There's another thing about the safety bill though. In its current form, there are protections for women, there are obligations for platforms to deal with racism, but nowhere in the bill does it touch on protecting transgender people from abuse. Online abuse is something that many journalists are subjected to day in, day out, and many say they just get used to it as part of the job. But when it comes to transgenderism, society's lack of consensus on transgender rights and the vicious, sometimes coordinated trolls found on both sides of the debate make it a particularly fraught minefield. As social media manager of Gay Times, Holly says that the comments section can be messy, ranging from downright abuse from users, trolling from bots, to constructive comments from their readers. Different comments call for different actions, as they explain.
1: You know, I experienced a similar situation at Wired at CNBC. Okay, I've only been in the business for about five years, but I can definitely tell you that as soon as I started working in social media, you know, you obviously, you see the ugly side of the internet, and You know, that's why the content that you create has to combat that hate loudly and clearly, because I don't want a trans exclusionary person to come to our Twitter, come to our Facebook and troll us a comment because it's not constructive. And we take efforts um, to make sure that that doesn't happen to, if anything, safeguard our community we don't want to expose our trans plus followers to that. And I'm always thinking about that whenever I'm looking through sort of Instagram comments or um, Twitter replies, I'm thinking, okay, these gay trans followers, they're also seeing this and they're also seeing this toxic rhetoric that isn't true um, and is completely falsifying a narrative. Um, and so of course there are different ways that we have to deal with that. Um, but our way at GT, is to simply say loudly and proudly what we stand for and that, you know, we won't be taking on any sort of beef <laughs> like that.
0: Holly, are you saying that you manually go through the Instagram comments <laughs> and remove the ones that are hateful, basically?
1: Um, quite possibly.
0: I imagine, you know, just coming at this as a non-binary journalist, that must be exhausting. Um incredibly tough for you um just to have to constantly see it for one thing but also if it personally affects you in any way
1: yeah it's pretty it is pretty exhausting i think that we can all get into a bubble of well i mean i certainly can i surround myself with queer people who support me and validate my identity and so when you do see that sort of text on social media you are sort of awoken to the fact that oh yeah those people are out there and they do exist we recently had an experience on i would say the platform but on um a live in which we received you know torrents of abuse torrents and it was exhausting and it took a toll on our participants and you know it took a toll on me because we were just trying to have a constructive conversation
0: yeah and then it's trying to be derailed by by an external party or you know, pocket of trolls.
1: Yeah, completely, completely. So I think that, you know, yeah, you're right. It can be exhausting to go through sort of every comment, but at the end of the day, I think it's worth it because, you know, it's our job at GT to safeguard our audience from these baseless opinions and, you know, offer them a platform in which they feel they can be seen and heard and feel safe on.
0: What does, so what's um, Gay Time's policy just on supporting youth if it is a particularly hard day? Do you get maybe mental health days or some sort of one-to-one support? You know, what what are the options for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, GT is incredibly supportive. It's a really, um, this is going to sound so cliche, but it, it is a really family-like atmosphere. Um, we're an incredibly close-knit team. And there's sort of always support um, to talk through processes and to, yeah, understand, like, the bigger picture here that's what we always come back to we say okay there is that troll on the internet but here's why that actually doesn't matter and why that bot is you know not going to come into the decision making that we that we eventually decide and the coverage that we know we will put out um because at the end of the day one we're not speaking to those people um two those people will be satisfied to know if they were derailing our coverage and our mission and so we we don't let them
0: right so you don't actually give them what they want you don't validate their their intentions at all
1: no no because i think i mean their opinions are are baseless this hate that they spew isn't tolerated in the gt newsroom and so why should it be tolerated in the comment section
0: yeah and that and that helps you
1: yeah definitely definitely it always helps to think of the bigger picture and to speak to my colleagues about why we're doing this why we are speaking and discussing key aspects of the lgbtq plus community that maybe will result in some form of trolling but why are we doing it because those trolls are out there and because they exist right um and because we need to speak to that
0: yeah but in terms of like more concrete policies if it is just if that's just not sufficient what other forms of support are out there for you
1: yeah again i just have a really really close relationship with My colleagues, I think my manager is incredible at sort of poking holes in in these sorts of comments and things like that. And I can't lie, but having just been in the industry for like five years now, you do sort of get a bit of a wall up. Um, And so, you know, there is that in terms of like when sometimes, you know, I've been in newsrooms where people do get sort of personal attacks um, lobbied at them on social media. And of course, it's it's just a really, really difficult situation to be in, um, a really, really uncomfortable situation. And I think that when those accusations are baseless or um, toxic or discriminatory, uh, my personal policy is just block, block, block. Um, get those people out of the comments. Get those people off of your platform.
0: So, I mean, I understand this as building resilience. Would that be a fair summary of of the, the approach here
1: yeah I think so
0: and 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 kind of is that preferable just coming at this from the position of you don't want them to win this this they are not gonna stop me doing my job you know I'm gonna be resilient here they're not gonna you know stop me from having this platform is that a fair summary
1: yeah definitely yeah exactly um these bots these people they're not gonna stop gay times from doing the work that we need to do so why should they stop me
0: brilliant um Kind of closing question then, really from me then, is, you know, how would you like to see things change in the, in the coming years for LGBTQ plus publishers like Gay Times? You know, what would be kind of top of your wish list to help you succeed and, and thrive at what you do?
1: You know, I want to see LGBTQ plus people seamlessly integrated into news teams. In every place I worked before GT, I was the only queer person in my direct or even wider team. that's just really not okay and i can't lie but it's pretty isolating i've tried to push lgbtq plus news forward and jobs gone by and kind of either been hit by brick walls or kind of internalized the idea myself that okay this is this kind of news so queer people don't fit in this is that kind of news so queer people don't matter but actually having queer peers now who are able to see the value in lgbtq plus stories it's, it's just been completely invaluable to me and honestly to like
0: to myself and to my working self. Onwards and upwards. Holly, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. It really has been a pleasure to speak. Thank you so much. Yeah,
1: thank you so
0: much. I'm inspired by what Holly said about resilience. The legislation on the horizon does promise some insurance policy for those persecuted online in the most extreme cases. But when it comes to the everyday reality of weeding through nasty remarks in the comment section, it's not likely to be sufficient. What does help teams weather that storm is an internally supportive culture and a determination that keyboard trolls are not going to stop publications like Gay Times serving an underserved audience who needs them the most. This is an important topic for us and one I want to stay on top of. I'd love to hear your experiences. You can DM or tweet me at jpgjournalism or the wider team at journalism.co.uk at journalism news. If you'd like to feature on the show or you've got a topic or story you want us to cover on the podcast, do get in touch. I'm on jacob at journalism.co.uk. And finally, if you like what you heard today, you can check out more of our episodes on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts by searching and subscribing to the journalism.co.uk podcast. That way you won't miss our next exciting episode where we will talk to The Washington Post about its visual forensic team. If you're a fan of the show, do leave us a review and a rating so others can discover these conversations for themselves. But that's all we have time for this week. I've been your host Jacob Granger. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.